Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got the running backs. Uh, we're previewing the running back draft spot. Um, we're going to do a redraft of pick uh, 36 from last year. And we're going to talk about Russ Callaway. But Justin, I'm asking you how you're doing, even though knowing, realizing that we realize that we have to start doing the draft portion first and then putting it on the second episode, part of the episode, even though we already recorded first. And it always screws me up that now that we're restarting it. Like, this is the only time, this is the only time of the year we do this. And the listeners probably have no idea what's going on, too, because I probably just confuse them. Yeah, it, it's, that's a lot. So, simplified version of that draft episodes so the episode these episodes aren't an hour and a half long like like last week's was like last friday um we record the second part of the show where we preview the draft position first and then we record the intro to see how long we can go bobby skinner um i'm okay i'm okay some things going on i'm okay brain is brain is disheveled have off from work this week which is kind of nice so um giants there's a lot of giants news to get to a lot of giants news yep uh, before we get into that, Justin, this episode was brought to us by Dan Coveo. May have already said his name. I don't care. Dan Coveo. You got Emmett Dean. Um, he's actually known best for his sausage. Um, his his uncle. His uncle's famous sausage. Jimmy. Yeah, James Dean. Joe Wasserbach. Um, Joe washes your back. How about that? How about that? And mm. then Aaron Pecker. Or Aaron Peck. I, I saw Peck and immediately said Pecker. Aaron Peck. <laughs> Justin, who are these Pecker heads? Man, Peckerheads, good. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Those Peckerheads, that's the place that they went. And for $2 a month, they uh they get to watch us record these messes of episodes where we're recording late at night because uh, we're finishing the players, or, or more notably, Justin's finishing the players late at night and he needs to push back the recording time. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you. Everybody who paid their credit card bill the month before, thank you for, for continuing to be a patron. Thank you. Thank you big time. Thank you bigly. All right, Justin. News, news. The Giants hired Russ Callaway to be uh, an offensive assistant. Uh, he's going to be working with the wide receivers. This guy's kind of overqualified for this spot a little bit. You know, like you see offensive assistant, it's like someone who's coming up through the ranks. And, and Russ is definitely doing that. But it's kind of weird. It's like he wants to, it's almost like he wants to be around like certain atmospheres because even at LSU, he was an offensive analyst, which like that's not that sexy of a position. But even the LSU people are asking, like, is he going to be the next Joe Brady? Because that's kind of a similar role Brady, you know, Joe Brady went through. But before that, he was the Sanford offensive coordinator and QB coach, and and was there when Devlin Hodges was there, and had like Sanford's offense was good. You know, usually you don't go from offensive coordinator to offensive analyst, and then to the NFL as an offensive assistant. Before that, uh, Murray State wide receiver coach for two years. So there's that, and then the connection with Joe Judge. Alabama defensive assistant from 2011 to 2012. So there's there's the Joe Judge connection. But before we get into it, like the, he's kind of this is one a little late in the game for this hiring, and two he's a little overqualified for this spot. He's a former quarterback, team captain at Valdosta State. Callaway got his start coaching as Kirby Smart's inside linebackers graduate assistant at Alabama 2011. He spent two seasons with the Crimson Tide. Um, wide receivers coach, recruiting coordinator at Murray State. Um, then he went to Sanford in 2015, helped the team rank among the top five in the FCS passing offense two of the last three seasons, including number one in 2018, averaging almost 400 passing yards per game. Bobby, we've been talking about, I don't know if we've been talking about it a lot. I do remember mentioning at least once where, you know, part of, part of our problem with keeping Jason Garrett around is older mind and we know what Jason Garrett has like we know what Jason Garrett's about at least bringing in a younger mind and an an innovative mind I feel like everybody that's under the age of 40 is an innovative mind simply because they're young um but I would like to think that this guy actually is now apparently he's going to be just teaming up and coaching with the wide receivers he's not going to be you know maybe like Freddie Kitchens where Freddie Kitchens may actually have some substantial input into the game plan and maybe the maybe the play calling but I'd like to think that this guy, he is 33, 30, 34 years old. I would like to hope that the Giants can maybe keep him keep him around and, and coach him up, form him, groom him up to maybe even take over his play caller one day if they see fit. Because clearly he's had success before and he's had success throwing the ball, which I like. Yeah, and I, I think this move got a little 
overreacted to, where it's like, oh, this is guy's meant to be the replacement of Jason Garrett. It's like, no, he's the replacement of Stephen Brown. That's where you could read into it. Stephen Brown, who came over from Dallas with Jason Garrett, um, you know, he didn't return. We don't know what exactly happened. There was no, like, he got fired or anything. It's just he was no longer on the coaching roster. Um, so the loss of Stephen Brown, he becomes like that kind of filled that role. I'm not going to, not saying he's filling that same role, but like this is a kind of a normal job, you know, these offensive assistants. Um, but what it's one, he's being paired with Tyke Tolbert, who was not a Joe Judge guy. He was maybe the only position coach retained by, from Special Pat Special teams coordinator, McGay. Yeah. Well, McGay, he's the coordinator and then, and then yeah. Tolbert's only position coach retained. Um, so working with them and, you know, people talk about the red zone, and I saw people talking about him in the red zone. That's what I noticed. I went and watched Sanford versus FSU when he was the offensive coordinator, and when they got in the red zone, they were throwing the ball into the into the end zone. They were trying to get they were trying to get six. They realized the you know the importance of being down there, and they weren't trying to get five yards and chip their way into the end zone. They were trying to throw the ball into the end zone, and that's something that me and you kind of hated about Jason Garrett. It's like we get down to the red zone, we're not throwing the ball into there, no. and that's how Daniel Jones went from a guy for. A th- you know, on pace to set the rookie touchdown record to a guy whose touchdown numbers were like worse in the league yeah. on a per game rate. And that's also why Wayne Goldman had a pretty solid touchdown total by the end of the year, because there would be some times, even the, even when the Giants would go for on a fourth down inside the five yard line, Wayne Goldman would just have four rushing attempts. And at times it's kind of like, all right, you know, if we're going to go for it on fourth down, just run the ball four times. Odds are you're, if, if you're within three yards, you're going to get in, you know, just, just by falling forward. Um, but yeah, definitely passing league, bringing in this guy who is you know, 33, 34, and we don't know a ton about him, but we know that he's young, and we know that the teams and the offenses that he's worked with before in the past have been successful, and particularly have been successful with scoring points and throwing the ball. What were the Giants not successful in last year? They were not successful with throwing the ball and scoring points, um, and I, I, I like this. I like that this move was made. Yeah, me too. Can, I, mean- can I also mention... Can I mention the thing that I'm going to mention? What What are you going to mention? I'm going to mention that he has bad haircut. How and dare the, and you. He, I like his hair. He, sorry, he just will not be a successful coach unless he gets a better haircut. That's a style. That's like that's a that's a QB like style right there. I know he's not a QB. I was shocked. I was shocked to saw to see that he was 33 years old because he looks 45 with that haircut. It's a style. Coaches, you football coaches aren't real people. Like like people, you have to realize like they're not real people. You know what? Stop. I'm, I want to stop this because Joe Judge is a real person who likes to do things outside of football, who has a family, and he's like a good hates golf. father. He hates golf, and that makes him like a somewhat average human being because also you also hate golf, Bobby Skinner. Ooh, bad for DraftKings. They're not listening to the beginning part of the show. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. We, we have a golf read for DraftKings in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. It's like they're um, just messing with us at this point. <laughs> Every no, ad read we get, it's like, are you messing with me? Oh. No, but no, but in all, in all seriousness, like Joe Judge, we we love that he's a people person. Ben McAdoo, um, was like he was one of those crazy like, I don't want to say psycho is a strong word, but psycho football people. Like he just didn't do anything but football. Um, LPG gave us like the tip that he was like really fun with his players and he was he was like good with his guys. I guess behind closed doors, so maybe he's a good family man too. Pat Shermer, same thing. Like we just just like weird dudes. Um, Joe Judge is not that, so it's not everybody, Bobby. It's not everybody. Maybe assistant coaches. How about that? Um, sure. So yeah, uh, where, where you can like do the like the oh the Jason Garrett like it's like okay they Stephen Brown leaves, which was like nobody talked about because Stephen Brown wasn't anybody up up note. Um, you know, most, you know, 99% of people didn't know he was a real person until he got COVID in week 17. Um, but it's interesting offensive assistant coming in and, and, and this is kind of, this is a little late in the game for that too, which is, which is pretty interesting. Like what from the end of LSU season to now made him want to, you know, change, change, change his spot up. We believe in Joe Judge. Hmm. I wonder where was... Where was he this past week? Where I made a bleeding blue tweet. Was this was this offensive? It's I oh. hate those type of things. Yes, father son holy. It's like spirit. the only thing put, that uh, does offend me is those. I put I I know I know that's why I'm asking. Bill Parcells um on the left for father, uh, Joe Judge in the middle for son, and then Holy Spirit is Tom Coughlin. That's like the only things I won't joke about is that like you can joke about anything else, and I just like 
Like, I will refuse to press like on those tweets. All right, Justin. Time for the redraft. Time for the, re- the redraft. Um, what we're doing. Just a way to kind of look at the draft. And also realize, like, you know, don't get caught up in draft rankings. Like, okay. Today, I watched a player who everybody was saying we can get in the second round. Like, oh, we don't need to do this because we get in the second round. And I watched said player today, Justin, and I hate him. I hate him so much. I think he's. Hate him. I think he's. I don't hate him as a person, but I, I think he's a horrible player. I think he's gonna. I think three years from now we'll look back and be like, this guy was taken in the second round or the third round or whatever. Like I, this guy is even a third round pick for me. Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. I think he's horrible. Everyone's been saying like, oh, we don't need to draft Ray Sean Slater because Wyatt Davis. So I went. I and not every player I go into watching their film with like, all right, this is a good player to make a breakdown of. So I timestamp plays. Three plays in, I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not breaking down this player. Anyways. So last week, we um, we, we redrafted uh, the fourth overall pick. Um, and we revisited what we did in our mocks. Um, so I stayed with Andrew Thomas. If you want to go listen to it, go listen to it. Justin did a ballsy pick. But I think he got, you know, probably the best player. And Justin Jefferson. Like, he went and got Justin Jefferson. Now, you have a huge hole with the offensive line right now. Um, which maybe you maybe you'll you'll get later in the round. I know there's an offensive lineman on my mind later in this draft, uh, which you'll probably hear on Friday. Um, so Justin, last year the New York Giants took Xavier McKinney. Me and you both had Antoine Winfield Juniors in our mock drafts. So us and the Giants were on the same page. We were looking for safety in the second round, that free safety. This was before uh, Logan Ryan was on the team. This was before DeAndre Baker got arrested. But me and you were both looking at safety. You know, like we like Julian Love, but he's, he's not good enough to pass on anybody. The Giants went a different way with Xavier McKinney. Um, and me and you went Winfield. Um, so what are you, What are, are you Are you sticking with Antoine Winfield? Are you sticking with the Giants or McKinney? Or are you going elsewhere? You know what? I know we talk about with certain acquisitions, the Giants made this offseason at corner um how they can maybe do a little bit more single high safety they can do a little bit more man coverage and um you know that so they can blitz more and, and Antoine Winfield why you would want to take Antoine Winfield is because in college he played like that single high safety role now pro football reference listed lists him as a strong safety for Tampa yeah so, he he played you know there was times where he was playing deep but they had him down the ball like they had him do He's a he's a do it all type guy too. He I don't think he got the credit that he deserved, but he was a do it all type guy too. I think I'm just gonna I'm I'm sticking with Xavier McKinney. I'm sticking with what the Giants did because he had a first round grade on him. Now there's a couple guards out there that had a you know they had they had some pretty good rookie years, but and I know there's a hole at the offensive line the Giants have right now, but sticking with Xavier McKinney, he had the first round grade on him. He fell to the Giants and. The fact that this year is still going to technically be his rookie year and we haven't even been able to fully even evaluate him as a football player, um, I think that's a reason to stick with him and stick with that pick in a redraft because right now the potential for Xavier McKinney is it's it's there. Yeah. First round grade. Um, and I like the idea of having him as like this versatile chess piece versus, you know, if we were to take Antoine Winfield, we were kind of thinking that he would be primarily playing deep half safety when McKinney, he can play deep half safety from time to uh, from the deep part safety uh, time to time, but also he is much, much better when he's moving forward and when he's moving um, and when he's in the box as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought about safe going, just staying with safety, but the addition of Logan Ryan changes things for me. Um, you got pep. I, I, you know, love is all right. You know, he's nothing special. Of that safety role, so you you got your safeties, and it's less about them than it is this guy that I'm going to take. And I'm going Chase Claypool. I'm going Chase Claypool. You went wide receiver in your first round, so it wouldn't have made sense to to double down and get Claypool. But Chase Claypool would have made a lot of sense for the Giants. We know Daniel Jones, you know, looking for those catch radius guys, those those big play guys, and that's what Claypool was. Um, you know, a big wide receiver who you can throw the ball up and place it downfield, and he'll go up and get it. Um, and he does some other type of things. And, and that moves Shepard back into the slot. You got Slayton on the outside, and then Tate is kind of the odd man out. But, you know, when when Shepard gets hurt, he's in there playing. Um, so I'm going Chase Claypool. I know it doesn't make as much sense now with 
Kenny Galladay on the roster. But hey, if I got Chase Claypool, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, and Sterling Shepard, I'm I'm feeling pretty good going into this draft. Yeah. Like I don't really need to look at wide receiver. I've got my guys. Um, where, you know, if if we don't have Xavier McKinney, are we going into this draft being like, man, it'd be nice to add another safety to this team? Where yeah, right no, now I, we are in the, it'd be nice to add another wide receiver to this team. You know, we're we're a Galladay injury away from being a bad wide receiver core. Um, yeah. With Claypool, with Claypool, I think you feel a lot. I think you feel better about the roster than you do with Xavier McKinney. So I'm going Chase Claypool and all his touchdowns. Yeah, he would have dramatic, like dramatically improved the 2020 Giants without a doubt. Like he is that big physical. I can go up and I can pinpoint and catch a ball guy. He is, and that's why I took him. Boom, Chase Claypool. I Boom. like. I like Clay. We, me, and you both like Claypool. Like he was a like we liked him, and then he had the nice combine, and then it's like, dude, we fall in love with the combine. It's like, screw it, fall in love with the combine. This guy's about it. He can block. I mean, I remember I was sharing clips of him just destroying people as a blocker. I was a Chase Clay, Claypool fan. Um, everyone was like, oh, he's too high for the second round. He's too high for the second round. Wrong. Look at us redrafting. And he's there, and we're taking him, or I'm taking him. So right now, I have Andrew Thomas and Chase Claypool. You have Justin Jefferson and Xavier McKinney. Yeah. Who's going to block for you, man? You, you, people forget. You need to block. Nick Gates for left tackle. Nick Gates for left tackle. <laughs> Just convince Nate Sol- You know what? Nate Solder feels more pressure to play if there's no Andrew Thomas. How about that? <laughs> Boom. Even though we don't there, think that's Nate Solder is good. Um, that's my plan but it helps us out because now we could cut him this year with with less dead cat correct we are really just taking this we we took it like hey we got the benefit of hindsight and we're just like using way too much hindsight at this point all right you ready for the running backs justin let's run come on pay attention in there let's go we got a beautiful day work play fast play fast whoa ah it's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete the, for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land the green. This week, DraftKings has given you 100-1 to 1 odds on the golfer of your choosing to finish in the top 10. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. I mean, nobody likes golf more than us. I mean, we have so much respect for the game. You turn $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any golfer from this weekend's tournament and they finish in the top 10. You cash $100. 101 odds in an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all the action and choose your golfer before the tournament tees off Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. If the golfer of your choice finishes in the top 10 of this week's tournament, that's code JOHNBOY to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And if you need, hey, if you need your golfer to win and he's behind, just like honk when the other person is golfing, mm. um, scream yes. in their back. There's so many ways to really gain the edge in golf, and people aren't taking advantage of this. It's a shame. They should follow your book. They, it, they should. They really should. They really should. All right, <laughs> let's talk about some freaking draft people. We got running backs, the running back position. Um, we started with edge because edge is a need, but it's not. So, you know, it's not a premier edge class. The Giants low-key kind of need a running back right now. Like, the only running backs they have on the roster are Saquon and Devontae Booker. There's no third-string running back. There's not even, like, an old vet who they kept around or, or you know, somebody from an undrafted guy from last year who's on the squad. They have nobody right now. So, third-string running back is kind of a need. Um, and there's some guys here I like. So, running back, I mean, how do you feel about the running back spot? It's weird because I think somebody put out an article this week, and I and I would feel bad if this is a friend. And at this, I mean, I guess it's it's beginning of April, so if there's a time to talk about it, it's now. And you know, the before the draft, it's not like we're talking about this the week of the draft. You know, running back being a third string running back being a need, but third string running back is a pretty big need. And I'm like, 
define big need? Like, is it is it an important role because of the turnover that happens in the NFL with running backs in particular? Um, yes, it's a need the Giants need to address. But is it a need the Giants need to address in the NFL draft, especially when they only have six no, picks versus they 10 don't picks? have to. But they get, no. But you they could, and it would make sense. I would like that third running back though to be somebody on some sort of rookie contract, whether that's an undrafted free agent, whether that is a guy that we do draft, um, whether it's a young guy that maybe has came from the 2020 class from last year. I, I would like that third string running back spot to be filled by somebody who is relatively younger that we can somewhat invest in, but not invest in highly with like a lot of resources, like, you know, a third round pick, fourth round pick. Yeah, cetera, for me, it, the goal is either six round pick or undrafted free agent. Six round pick or undrafted free agent. Yeah. Two six rounders that are an undrafted free agent. Um, but you know what? They they may spend a fourth round too. And, you know, if, if there's a guy they like, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, and Justin, the guy I'm going to start off with is someone who would fall in that fourth round range. Um, he's probably like the top guy, the top rated guy on my list where the rest are more like, hey, these guys could fall. Khalil Herbert, running back out of Virginia Tech, five foot eight, two hundred four pounds. He was down at the Senior Bowl, and I really liked him down at the Senior Bowl, Justin. Um, I think he's got an elite vision, finding holes and cutbacks. Uh, a lot of these, run, a lot of running backs, they come into the league and they're just they just don't have vision. They're go go go, and sometimes you can work with those guys. Herbert has that though, um, and he's got uh, good patience that can lead to big plays. You know. Big plays aren't always going to be, you know, Saquon juking three people or, or, or you know, having that one big tackle, uh, you know, broken tackle where Herbert's not, he's not really going to break those tackles in the open field, but he's got that patience. And then he's got the speed that when that hole sets up, go, go. He really has that type of patience. Um, you put him in the outside zone scheme. He likes to set it up to really push, push, push that linebacker to its limit and make that cut off of that played side linebacker. So I think he'd be best in his own scheme, and we do, we do think the Giants want to implement some more, you know, inside zone, outside zone. You know, that was, you know, we heard that, uh, you know, they wanted to do more of that with Saquon, and then he got hurt. Uh, and he's got the cuts to get up field. He doesn't get much receiving yards, but Justin and his stats in 2020 had uh, almost 1,200 yards on 7.6 yards per carry, only 10 catches, but he did turn his catches into some yards, 17.9 yards per catch. Uh, and, he, and he is actually a transfer from Kansas, who I know there's another guy, a guy on your list, who's from Kansas. So, Khalil Herbert, uh, I, I think he's the t- he's the top rated on my list. Yeah, kind of five foot nine, kind of a, a sneaky good size, especially if a guy's five foot nine and he's not under 180 pounds, like a, like a lot of these smaller backs usually are. You know, being over 200 pounds, it's kind of a a good size, especially for a guy that maybe has some sneaky speed. Um, he apparently even returned kicks. He had one that was called back this year. And out of all the running backs that I, I haven't looked at a ton of running backs, but out of all the running backs that I've seen, you know, with, you know, PFF yards after contact per attempt, he's had the most out of all the running backs that I've looked at uh, almost five yards, five, five and three quarters uh, yards after the contact per attempt, which is uh, not too shabby. Yeah, I didn't know that. So you're teaching me about my guys. All right. So Justin, now you have... Three, you, I like your list. I like your list way more than mine. Ooh. Like I was, you know, I was, you know, putting together my profiles on your guys. It's like, oh man, love this guy. Love this guy. Love this guy. Um, your first one is not a love guy. He's a like guy, you know, but your two and three are got to have it for me. So who is, who is first on mm. your list? That's big. That's big. All right. So you, you want to know what's funny about the way that I decided my list? Um, I don't know how I decided Elijah, uh, Elijah Mitchell, which Elijah Mitchell um, from Louisiana is my first uh, running back that Raging I'm going to be looking Cajuns. at. The Raging Cajuns. I may have, I think I picked him because he went to Louisiana because of the Rob Sale connection. That may have been how my brain was working. Um, I, I picked these running backs like, oh, a yeah, and Mitchell, half, so Mitchell was going to make it no matter them. what because it's like, hey, we got to talk about the guy with the Rob Sale connection. Even if he was, I think you might even have told if he was me to horrible, do Elijah he was going to be on one of our lists. So Rob Sale connection, but the rest of the guys on my list, here's how I decided my list, Bobby Skinner. Um, there's one guy who has the same name as a, as a Giants legend, former Super Bowl MVP. There's two guys on here that have really funny names, and there's one guy on here who's really big. Um, that's, that's, that's how I picked my list, and I'm, and I'm actually kind of happy with pretty much 
fifty uh, percent of my list. Even even the fourth guy with the funny with the with the he's really big. I even like him a little bit too. But Elijah Mitchell, five ten, uh, two hundred fifteen pounds, and those that's from the Senior Bowl, Bobby. I know you how you like to there get you on go. me. I like heights it. and weights. I got that from the Senior Bowl. So five ten, two hundred fifteen pounds, Elijah Mitchell, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We're big Raging Cajun fans. Um, in twenty nineteen. He had 198 attempts, uh, almost 1,200 yards. 2020, he had a f- 141 attempts, 878 yards. My plus-plus category, 42 rushing touchdowns, five receiving touchdowns in 41 career games. Uh, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of production. And he averaged over six yards per carry, four yards after contact per carry. Impressive stuff in the advanced numbers of yards after contact. It basically speaks for itself. Solid bursts for his sides and fancy footwork. You know, 215 pounds. It's not a huge back, but also it's not a small back, and he's got some pretty good bursts for his size. My plus category, he runs tough. He falls forward. He keeps his feet churning. He fights hard to get out of, ta- get out of tackles in some one-on-one situations. He's kind of your average running back. He's a good size, not too small, um, probably on the little bit of the thicker size. It's not a bad thing, but He's your average running back, and I and I like that. Um, Rob Sale connection, and I put hmm in my notes. Hmm, Rob Sale connection. So if we get this guy somehow, it means that Rob Sale really likes him. means that the Giants front office, they really like him, um, and that's a good thing. Solid pass catcher coming out of the backfield, too. Saw some plays where he had to adjust to a short-thrown ball, and he showed some good flexibility. He was able to get his keep his feet under him to get some yards after the catch. Um, my minus category, while this can also be seen as a plus, um, because odds are he's not going to be getting a ton of carries as a backup, um, he has a lot of carries. He has 527 career attempts um, throughout his college career, which is a lot of miles under the legs. But if you're a backup running back, that may negate in the NFL. It's not like he's going to be a number one to start. Um, Raging Cajuns have also produced some, some top-quality offensive linemen while not facing a lot of top-quality competition. So that could be a minus two. If the Giants take him, I'm happy because it means the Giants believe in him. Overall, he is a love-it player. I like I, – I, I love him. I do. You know, like I said, like we're going to put him on this list regardless because of the Rob Sale connection. He's more than the Rob Sale connection, like you said, for all the reasons you said. I think his vision is like A1. Um, he's a he's a very smart player, um, which makes me it makes me a little more happy, excited about Rob Sale than it does than it does him because it's like man, Billy Napier has got himself a nice little coaching staff down there. You know, another guy where he's not going to break a ton of tackles, but he's not going to waste any time either. He's not going to he's he's going to make the right read and go. Um, you know, a little a little behind the scenes of how I look at these running backs. Every single ca- carry, when a, when he receives that handoff, I press pause and I see what lane is is open right now and what lane might open up. And uh, Elijah Mitchell always seemed to diagnose that really well and, and do it quickly. Yeah. So helps when you fall forward yeah. too. You automatically get he, he know, needs momentum yard and, and a whole other yard. If we're talking about yards after contact, guys. Well, that's who's next on my list. This guy's had. The most yard, uh, yards after contact in the college football the last two years. Buffalo running back Jared Patterson, five foot seven hundred ninety five pounds, so he is small. Um, over a thousand yards the last three seasons at Buffalo. I mean, he had over a thousand yards this past season in six games played. Um, seven point six yards per carry. A ton of touchdowns. Nineteen touchdowns. Nineteen touchdowns. Fourteen touchdowns. Um, fourth oh, over four thousand scrimmage yards in, in, in three years at Buffalo, um, and I mentioned the yak, one thousand seven eight hundred eighty nine yak yards since in two years. In two years, some guys on these lists didn't even get that many yards at all in their in these in in here. He got those in in two years, just yards after contact yards. Feet never stop moving. I think he might be my favorite guy in here. Where I think you know Khalil might be the best. Jared Patterson might be my favorite guy on my list. His feet never stop moving. He will get every yard. For a guy that plays that small, he gets every single yard possible. He's not getting yards after contact by by juking a guy. He's running through dudes. Like he his it's whether it's spinning out of tackles to get an extra two, three yards. He gets those. Um not afraid of contact. Like I said, small frame, just not afraid of contact. You see those you see those type of yards and you see that size and like this is the guy who bounces every play. This is the guy who bounces every play. That's not what he, he does. I think he's very patient. Um his vision is man when you know I was just saying I I do the pause thing and I'd be like, Oh, yep. there's the hole, there's where he needs to hit. He wanna hit it and then the play would develop, but he'd be patient and then 
you know, a D lineman would jump into the other gap, and then boom, there he goes. So, um, I think this guy might be the most underrated back in the NFL uh, in the draft. Ooh. When I look at you know what rankings are, I think Jared Patterson might be the most underrated. Um, let's his block set up. Uh, doesn't have great speed, but it's it's not he's not slow either. Um, good agility, power in his jump cuts. Bad blocker, very bad blocker though. So that's where that's where the size shows up is in his blocking. He forced 46 missed tackles in 2020, which was seventh in the country, and he had a 16. Uh, he had 16 rushing attempts of 15 plus yards, which was ninth in the country. So, you know, even though he doesn't have that top end speed, you know, makes up for it. You know, in the, in the ability he was in the capability was to produce those explosive plays, and also there's not really a better stat that a running back can have that proves individual performance and missed tackles and, and the yards after the contact as well. So, uh, good for, uh, good for Patterson there. Choo, choo, choo. Never mind. Go ahead. I was going to do a song line and it didn't make any sense. No, none at all. No, you know, who is, you know, who is fun. And I would love to even write a song about him. Puka Williams. 5'9", 175 pounds. This is one of the two guys on my list that has a funny name that I'm gonna that I'm gonna talk about. Um, from Kansas. 5'9", 175 pounds. Puka Williams in 2019 is the year that he had more production. 203 attempts, uh, about a thousand yards, 5.2 yards per attempt, three touchdowns. Um, he even had uh 27 catches for 214 yard 214 yards for two touchdowns as well. 2020, 51 attempts, almost just about 200 yards. Average you know, yards per carry was under was under four. Um, not the biggest, not the most production in 2020. He only played four games. But Bobby, I have to tell you, Puka Williams is you know you know how Joseph Asai. I just talked about how I enjoyed watching him play the game of football. We're almost like, I was almost like at a loss of words to describe how he was as a player. Uh, Puka Williams is the same thing. I just enjoyed watching him play the game of football. He has insane elusiveness, insane burst. He only seems to get faster and faster, even when he is cutting and shifting. As the play is going, he only seems to get faster. Do yourself a favor. Go and watch Puka against Texas in 2019. You will not be disappointed. That game within itself can work as a highlight tape for him. Big plays where he just runs in and out of the all around the entire defense. Um, even when he gets close, even when he it's like short yardage opportunities, or even when he only gains a couple yards, he's making something out of nothing. Um, a very very fun football player to watch. One of the most fun players to watch in this entire draft class. I feel my plus category. He runs tough. He has strong legs for such a small back. The other guy that you that you like, who's your guy to have it. Um, I don't really view him as a small guy who runs, who who has strength within his legs for his size. Puka Williams, I feel like for his size, he has strength in his legs relatively, like for how small he is. Um, a lot of experience as a pass catcher, only one drop in his career. He is definitely a guy you want to get out towards the sideline versus rely on him going to the tackles. And he also averaged 24.6 yards per kickoff return in his college career. Um, you don't want to rely on Puka Williams between the tackles. I mean, you. I feel like you kind of want to put him in an outside zone scheme or he's going to be like a gadget slot guy, kind of like a, a LaVisca Chenault, um, or even Lynn Bowden. Remember Lynn Bowden? How we? I, I think I actually previewed him last year, probably talked about him being a late day three pick, and then boom, Lynn Bowden was taken like round three by the Raiders. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if Puka Williams is taken a lot earlier than we expect. You know, all these guys that we're looking at are day three picks, um, they're going to be like six round picks. They may even even go undrafted. I think somebody who like a coaching staff that trusts that they can use this guy and they can get him out into space and maybe they like to do outside zone. They're going to take this guy and they're going to really they're going to get an explosive football player, a guy that can outrun anybody on the football field. He's he's a guy to have it player for me, Bobby. I like it. Um, So let me play the advocate against Puka because I, I do. I, I know you like him more than Javion Hawkins, who you'll be talking about next. I, with Puka, I feel like he's going to create tackles for losses. Like, people get mad at Saquon. Like, Puka's mm. going to create those, where I think Hawk... I'm going to save my Hawkins talking point. Um, but he does turn into those big plays. For But for a player like that, I just feel like he doesn't have that speed to, like, be that guy. Um, you know, like I said, I like him. I'm just playing the advocate on him. Um, what, here, Fun fact. Did you know 
that Puka cut off some of his toes in his right foot while mowing the lawn. I think that's made him faster, to be honest. I may try to do that. <laughs> cut his toes off. That's crazy. Um, but I, I do. He, he can. You can put him at. You know, use him as a receiver. Get up the seam quick. Um, in fact, there was a play where he catches a seam route for a touchdown that was just like that Daniel Jones to Saquon Barkley touchdown versus Washington. Yeah. Um, so you can actually use him as a receiver. So I, so I do, I do, I do like the Pook man. I like the Pook man. All right, next on the list, this guy is probably polar opposite. Ramondre Stevenson, running back out of Oklahoma. Danny loves this guy. Five foot eleven, two hundred twenty-seven pounds, at the Senior Bowl. 2020 had 101 carries, 665 yards, 7 touchdowns, 6.6 yards per catch. 18 catches, 211 yards, not bad. And then in 2019, 64 carries, 515 yards, 6 touchdowns, 8 yards per carry. So he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, which is important because he's a big, bruising back. He is a bruiser. He is going to win with his size and by running guys over. And what I like about him is he knows that. He knows that. Um... He's gonna run through you like that is his goal on his on, on in his place is to run through you. He's going to run through you. That is his goal. Um, the downside of that though is he doesn't have great vision or patience. Like he's not gonna. He's never. If a gap closes, he's not gonna bounce it into the open gap. Um, so it's it's kind of like the good and bad of Ramondre Stevenson is the same thing. Where it's like, hey, he know, he knows where he's supposed to be. And he's gonna go. He's gonna hit it hard. But when a play doesn't go as scripted. You know, a play where he could maybe get five yards, he's going to get like two or three. Which there's value in a type of back like that. Um, but he also could get better um, with that. I'm not going to juke anybody in the open field. And not because, and it's not because he can't. It's because he just doesn't even try. Like in the open field, he is, I'm going in a straight line and I'm going until this until, until I'm done. Um, but because of that type of stuff, he always falls forward. He's a good guy that's always going to fall forward. Um, so Ramondre... Ramondre is a guy who could make sense for the Giants, you know? If it's like, hey, we want a third-string running back to be the guy, the bam. Like, right now we have, you know, De- Devontae Booker, who's not going to be the pounded, you know, pounded down your throat guy. Saquon Barkley is obviously not that. Ramondre could make sense. He's like, I'm going to be the guy that just pounds it down your throat. Um, and Danny King's a big fan of, of Ramondre. It's strange to see how the yards after contact per attempt is 3.9. It is under 4. It also could be a scheme thing. Uh, I can imagine having a running back that's almost 250 pounds isn't the uh, isn't the exact ideal situation for an offense that runs spread. I'm pretty sure Oklahoma runs primarily a spread yeah, and, offense. Well, right? And also part of that is like he's not going to be the guy that breaks a tackle and then gets an extra 50 yards. Where you know your next guy, yeah. you know Puka, like those guys, those guys can do that. Where his his yards after contact is more consistent, but it's not like big play yards after contact. We've been teasing it long enough. My guy. We've been teasing it long enough. Here, here's the Bobby Skinner's about to fanboy. I'm I'm I feel like I feel like I'm I'm not about to shit on him, but this is gonna be a good balanced conversation. Javion Hawkins, 5'9, 195 pounds. He went to Louisville in 2019, 264 attempts. Over 1,500 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, nine touchdowns this year in only eight games, 133 attempts, 822 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns. Also has a decent amount of receiving experience. Had it more this year, 16 catches, 127 yards with the receiving touchdown. And my plus-plus category for Javion Hawkins, I feel like if you are under 5'10 and you're, and you're under 200 pounds, you have to have quick feet. And Hawkins definitely does have some good feet and, and agility. Big plays. He averaged six yards per carry the last two seasons when you combine the two. Posted touchdown runs of 75 yards, 70, and 90 yards all in 2020. He pay, He's very patient. He allows plays to develop. I guess that's the biggest difference between him and Puka. Puka's not. I don't think Puka's very patient. Hawkins is definitely a guy where he's going to fit a, a certain scheme, especially an outside zone scheme. He's going to fit it a little bit better than Puka, where you have to get creative to how is Puka Williams going to fit. But Davion Hawkins, it could be a little bit easier for him to fit, um, especially since most of his runs were going to the outside. You need a little patience to allow those blockers to get into place, and, and Hawkins definitely has that. Um, now, my plus category, I said he is a poor man's Puka Williams. I said he's a poor man's, because I honestly do feel like Puka's faster. I feel like Puka's mm, faster. I, I feel like he's more Javion agile. Way faster to you me. disagree? Well, then talk I just to think me he's about. Fa- I think he's he's faster as lightning. I think he's way faster. And you mentioned the patience thing. 
where my issue with Puka is that I think he can, can create tackles for losses. I think Javion doesn't do that. I think he fixes tackles for losses where Puka can, you know, he's going to have those wild plays. Hawkins is going to have those wild plays too, but he, I don't think he's creating as much. Um, the issue is he has one speed though. Like it's, it's patience because it's outside runs, but he is like, boom, boom, go fast. He's not going to cut a run up. Yeah. Um, he's trying to get outside, which I think is a good fit for the Giants um, and, 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 and as their third running back. And his offensive line was like, you know, they were Louisville was not good as, as blockers for them. So, again, he doesn't have great vision. Um, I don't think he has patience. I think he's just the, the, the scheme of Louisville makes it look like patience where it's like, no, this is just an outside design play. And yeah. I think he... Basically, just run, just run to the sideline, run to yeah, a spot. Yeah, where it's like those those outside those outside zones, those outside pulls. Um, I think the way, but with his speed on play action outside zones, it's going to really um, influence linebackers on those play action things. Um, he's a real receiving threat. It's just his. It's not his fault that Louisville's quarterbacks are horrible. Um, not very strong, you know. So he's not going to be a good blocker. But I think he's fast as lightning, man, and. He's gonna have. Some, he's gonna be a big play guy in the NFL. He's a like it player for me. I'm sorry. He's not. He's not even a love it. I love Puka. Da- so here's the thing. There's a good chance if I watched Hawkins first, there's a good chance that I may be more impressed with Hawkins. And then if I watch Puka second, then I'd be like, it may. It may be reversed. But the it was the fact that I watched Puka first, and then I watched Hawkins after that, and I was just like, nah. I feel like he's a poor man's guy that I just watched before. Want to know a fun fact? I'm I became I've become the fun fact guy. I love that. He went to Coco High School, mm. which is where I lived. In fact, wow. if you if my address for my bank is still Coco, Florida, I still haven't changed it. Yeah, I haven't lived I there some, in a year I and a half. Some things on the mail. I mean, I, I mean, I'm only 20 minutes away right now, so it's not like I moved, you know, a long distance. But yeah, Coco, Coco's finest. Um, probably means he's a low character guy, to be honest. But we we, we can deal with it. Um, so so Javion Hawkins, one of my one of my favorite guys. All right, so I'm getting so wrapped up in your guys' list. And we're talking about you know running backs. I'm throwing a little curveball. This guy, as guess what my letter grade for this next player was? C plus. He is my highest graded player at wow. his respected position. At his respective position, he is my highest graded player in the entire NFL draft. But that position is fullback, and it's Ben Mason out of Michigan. It's Ben Mason out of Michigan. Six foot two, two hundred forty-six pounds. I love this guy. I think he's going to come in and immediately be a top three fullback in the NFL. Immediately, like I think this guy is the real deal. He was bred to play football. In fact, we know um, the O'Briens. You know, John Boy Media. Um, they, they grew up on like the same street of him. They're like, yeah, he's kind of like a football weirdo. Like, like he didn't do anything bad. Like he just trained to play football. Like he was bred to play football. Obviously we know him from Michigan, a elite blocker, an elite run blocker. He will blow you up. He will manipulate you. He will torque you in the way you go. He will change your running game. He will change your running game the way he's a lead blocker. You can even line him up in tight end and use him as an inline blocker too. And he's going to do that well. Great feet, always. I mean, he's just, he's a beast of a blocker. I think a lot of times, like, oh, fullback, good blocker. Ben Mason would immediately come in and be a top three uh, fullback in the NFL. Um, Ten touchdowns at Michigan. Obviously, those are all from short yarders. He's not going to, he's not going to add you, add anything as a runner. Um, But, you know, that does show it's like, hey, you got a a fourth and one. I hate the fullback dive, but if there's anyone doing it, I would want Ben Mason doing it. Not much as a receiver. And to play fullback in the NFL, you have to be a special teams ace. Now, I don't watch special teams snaps, so I'm taking my, I'm taking this at um, what people say, special teams ace. Um, it's just it's so fun to watch him just destroy people. He was at the Senior Bowl, whether it's at Michigan, he just destroys people in the run game. And I'm a big believer that every NFL team should carry a fullback. It changes the way teams have to prepare. It gives you an, there's no reason not to. There is the 53rd whoever would be your 53rd man on the roster is not important as important as having that option to be a fullback. Even if you only use it twice a game with Ben Mason, you'd use it a little more than twice a game. But having that extra good lead blocker changes the running games. It screws up um, gap control football. So, Justin, let me pose this question to you. You th- this guy, you, if you think he's going to come in and be a top fullback in the NFL, 
Are you okay with taking a fullback in the sixth round? Yes. Okay. Because some people won't be. Some people will hate that idea. But I, I'm I'm fine with it because it's Ben Mason. Any other fullback I'm not taking in the sixth round. Ben Mason, I will. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how people in your in your mock draft uh, in your mock draft video there was well not people there was there was one person that commented it kind of it kind of got I think it kind of got me a little mad. No, I think somebody commented on my Twitter and they said you don't draft for need. That's kind of false. Sometimes um, you do. You kind of have to draft. You have to draft for need at least in the beginning part of the draft. Yeah. But then, towards the second half of the draft, you know, especially after you know rounds after rounds four, five, and six, definitely seven, you draft whoever the best player is. And if this guy's the best player available, um, you take him. Yeah. And you know, just just ask uh, ask ask my good friend uh, Orleans Darkwa how much it hurt not having a fullback. Shane Smith was that's when Shane Smith made his money was blocking for Orleans Darkwa, um, and then he sucked the next year. Good friend, though. Yeah. Um, shout out Shane Smith. Um, shout out Orleans. So, and I pose it to this: Would you rather have Cam Brown or Ben Mason? Give me Ben Mason. Every, I, give me the best player out of position. Um, yeah, yeah. And you can cut Elijah Penny. You can cut Colin Gillespie. Like, don't don't mention those guys as the reasons not to take Ben Mason. I'm fine with riding with either one of those, but um, Ben Mason, I I would be cool with. So, Ben Mason, how about that? How about that? I have another fullback. Uh, I, I put initially on my list that I was going to do another running back, but you know what? We're, we're going to stick with the fullbacks. Tory Carter, 6'2", 244 pounds from LSU. Um, Tory Carter wants to hit people, Bobby Skinner, um, point blank. He When he hits you and when you, inter- when you have an interaction with Tory Carter, he wants you to not want to play football again. Um, and I don't like those people. Um, you know, we <laughs> those are not fun people. In, in 2020, LSU rarely relied on a fullback, um, so he was mostly given special teams duties, and oh boy, did he make the most out of that role. Now, I have a little bit of a question because there, there's not, like, you know, there's not a lot of special teams film. Um, there's not a, there's not even a lot of film on Tory Car- Carter to begin with. But I was reading a couple, you know, some local websites, and they said a critique of Tory Carter is that he has a hard time pinning down blockers in the open field, which is a very hard thing to do. You know, if you're running like a bat out of hell and you have an elusive linebacker, an elusive defender, um, and if you're lunging, if you're caught lunging, which is pretty easy to do when you're running full speed as a fullback trying to engage somebody. So it, I think that's one of the only negative parts of Tory Carter's game that at least I read about. Um, Bobby Skinner, I'd be interest, interested to hear what you have to say about that. But if that's your negative part of your game in terms of your ability as a fullback, then I can only imagine that would also translate to special teams. You running down the field full speed and not being able to tackle a ball carrier who's also trying to juke you get and get out of your way. Yeah, I'll be honest, Tory Carter's your only guy I have no I did no homework on. That's fine. Here's what you need to know. <laughs> he's a he he plays like a bat out of hell. He has eye black that he paints all over his face and he like smears it down. And it's not just a look. He does it because he's a psychopath. And there's a couple clips of him. Uh, I think there's a clip against Arkansas where he's running down on the opening kickoff. And he doesn't demoralize the the ball carrier. He, demor- he just head-on-head collision, too, by the way. Like, they... It's he does what they don't what they teach you to not do. He led with the crown of his helmet and he just destroyed the lead blocker. So I mean it helped somebody else make the tackle, but um he's a he's a nut job. You know what? You, speaking of nut jobs, Justin. <laughs> oh speak speaking of nut jobs, Bobby Skinner. But with the first pick of the twenty twenty one men's grooming draft, the ball Saxonville Saguars. Get it? Jacksonville Jaguars, Ball Saxonville Saguars. Select Manscaped, the team's leader in below-the-waist grooming. Looks like Mel Kuyper gave this an A-plus grade because the pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. This is funny. For all my NFL Draft fans, we have an exclusive 20% off promo code GIANTS at Manscaped.com, including even free shipping. Uh, 20% off and free shipping, Manscaped.com, when you use promo code GIANTS. Um, Bobby Skinner, I did a 40-yard dash pro day. Um, I did it in New Jersey on a blue football field. And I I ran a 4.32, and the video was sponsored by Manscaped, so thank you, Manscaped. Um, You want to know why I ran that 4.32? Why? Because I shaved my balls before with the lawnmower 3.0. That's why. 
Did you shave? Did you mow, did you mow the lawn? Hey, hey, I here's mow, something. Mow the lawn. Sure. Puka Williams, if he was mowing his lawn with the lawnmower 4.0, he wouldn't have cut his he wouldn't have cut his toes off because it's 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 well, Nick it's Nick free. Well, the lawnmower 4.0 hasn't come out. Just yet. like New York, Nick free. They Nick suck. All right, go Nets. Oh, jeez. We beat your big oh, five. Go, go, right. <clears throat> go Nets. Use promo code Giants for at Manscaped.com. Any of your products. Thank you, thank you, Manscaped for being wonderful. Very good. Very nice. All right, Justin. Next on my list, I told you I'm the trivia guy. I have taken over the trivia role on this show. Justin, what player in the NFL draft was teammates with both of the New York Giants' last first-round picks and Andrew Thomas and Daniel Jones? I don't know. Duke running back Dion Jackson running back out of Duke. Now, I definitely took him because he's a Duke player. 5'11", 218 pounds. Best year was with Daniel Jones in 2018, you know, which was two years, you know, which was, you know, now his sophomore year. That was his best season as a, as a Duke Blue Devil where he had um, 847 rushing yards on 5.3 yards per carry. He had 26 catches for 253 yards and two touchdowns, which was his best receiving year. Uh, you know, had an, an 1,100 uh, scrimmage yards uh, with Daniel Jones where he didn't he didn't have 1,000 after that, you know, with uh, Quentin Harris or, or Chase Bryce as his QB. Um, and, you know, Duke played 11 games this year, so it's not like they got affected crazy by COVID. Could be a good receiving back. Could be a good receiving back, but, but, like, you can put him out wide as wide receiver. You can line up in the slot, outside. They did that stuff with him, um, with Daniel Jones. But what was Daniel Jones' biggest issue at Duke, Justin? His not very good skill position players around him. The drops. The drops. He has a lot of... He has, on 87 career targets, he has nine drops. That's really bad. That's really bad. And 11 fumbles. And 11 fumbles. So he's not very careful with the ball at all. all. Um, as far as a, run, a runner, he's got good speed in the open field. Um, I want to bring up his pro day 40 time, which is 4-3-2. But it's like, you know what? Pro day 40 times aren't real. I also ran a 4-3-2. Oh, that's true. So you and Deion Jackson, do you can you catch the ball? I yes I can. If, if you Very you good. put a you put a you put a drink in my drink in my left hand at MetLife Stadium parking lot K12, I can catch anything with my right hand. So he hits the hole hard, so good for him on that. Um he's not going to do anything outside the scheme as a runner. Um can be kind of easy to take to bring down at times. But Unlike a lot of these guys, he he's taking snaps out wide in that slot. And if there was if there was hey if there was, was one guy on this list where it's like he reminds me the most of Dion Lewis, who the Giants valued, Dion Jackson would be it. So maybe we can reunite the gang of Daniel Jones and Dion Jackson. They have the same first name too. Coincidence? I think not. No, they don't. His Dion, not Daniel Jackson. No, Dion, Dion, and Dion. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. How about that? How about that? I didn't realize Andrew Thomas was his teammate in high school until he quote tweeted him. I was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "I was like, is Andrew Thomas down with Duke Gang?" I was like, "No, they went to um, uh, Pace, the Pace Academy in in Georgia." It's a small world after all. Next on my list, Chuba Hubbard, another guy with the funny name. I think it's Chuba. Nope, I'm calling him Chuba because it sounds more <laughs> inappropriate when you call him Chuba. <laughs> Chubba. Chubba, Hubba. Could, could be could be Chuba, and I apologize to Mr. Hubbard. I'm gonna call him Mr. Hubbard. That's fun. Six foot, two hundred eight pounds. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is like a. They were like really bad this year. Uh, at least uh, I watched them against Oklahoma. They were bad. Bad quarterback. Bad offensive line. It was just. But bad. they have Tevin Jenkins, who I love. But yeah, the rest of our line is bad. Yeah. And they have Tylen Wallace, a good wide receiver. So it's like they had that big three, and they just suck. My plus I, plus. Oklahoma State was better than you're giving them credit for. I, I you just watched, watched them versus Oklahoma. I watched a bad game. Watched a bad game. <laughs> My plus plus category. Uh, Mr. Hubbard is patient, but he also runs with a pretty good tempo and pace. His vision is probably his biggest uh, his biggest plus. Uh, good feel for running between the tackles, which can be a challenge when so many schools are running the spread. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Something I like out of a backup running back. Smooth is probably the best word to describe his play. Uh, my plus category is 2019 season was bananas from a usage and a production standpoint. Over 2,000 yards. Clearly, the offensive line play was down this year, and their QB was horrible, like I said. Over three seasons, he has a lot of experience as a pass catcher. Rarely will do what what, what Puka or Hawkins will do. Um, 
in terms of uh, improvising and 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 you know ru- rushing all you know running running around and he's going to be efficient. He's going to go north and south. Um, he's not going to bounce carries outside. That's the phrase I was looking for. Um, my minus category, just like your last guy, Bobby. Five fumbles in 2019 and two more in 2020. Has a little bit of a fumbling problem. Something you don't want your backup running back to do if he ever does get an opportunity for a carry because then everybody will want him to be perished from the earth. Um, Led the nation in carries in 2019 with 328. I always put that as a minus because I just don't like running backs with a lot of miles on their legs. Um, Not the strongest runner. Not always falling forward. He's an average back. I like him. Um, I like it, love it, gotta have it scale. I hate doing player comparisons, but you know who he is. I only do player comparisons when it's actually a Giants player. Sure. He is Wayne Gallman. Mm. He is Wayne Gallman to me. Because I think he's overrated. One, the fumbles. Wayne Gallman has issues with fumbles. And I would start... You mentioned vision, and I was like, at first watching him, I was like, his vision is good. I was like, you know what? His vision really isn't that good. He's just looking to cut up every play. And on that outside zone Oklahoma State would run, he was just pressing that one linebacker and waiting until until he could cut up, and then the O line would do a, a decent job. So he's always he's just always looking to cut up, you know. Where there'd be times where it's like, man, the blocks are setting up on a design outside run. You could get fifty yards on this, but you got eight because you cut up way too early. So that's why. And, and you mentioned the fumbles. Um, okay, blocker. He's not going to take a tackle for a loss, which is a good thing. You know, that's that's the thing we like most about Wayne Gallman. But he is Wayne Gallman, and I don't mean that in a flattering way. You never talk about Wayne Gallman in a flattering way. Never. Not once. I I I I, I was I was a Wayne Gallman fan in season. I just wasn't a Gallmanite. Efficiency. That's what Mr. Efficient. Hubbard is. Yeah, he's efficient. Like Wayne Gallman, he's efficient. Yeah. So um so like I said, like one of my my bullet bullet points is like start out liking his vision and then I went then it went down. Like it was just like, oh, he's just doing the same thing over and over again. It's not really it's not really great vision because it's like whenever a play opens up outside, he never takes it. He's just getting the 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 for sure yards instead of taking a chance and making a big play. So, all right, Justin, we are we're gonna do one minute. These last two guys, you got one minute to explain them. Yes. No back and forth conversation. No. Trace. Okay, I'm putting 40, 40, 30. All right, Trace Sermon, running back of Ohio State, six foot, two hundred fifteen pounds. You all know him from the Clemson semifinal game, and then he got hurt in the national championship versus Alabama. And in 2020, after transferring from Oklahoma, 116 carries, 870 yards, four touchdowns, seven and a half yards per carry. He's worked best in the zone scheme. He is he is a guy who's going to you know press that linebacker, get up field, press the linebacker, get up field. Um, his cuts aren't great; they're very rounded out. But if you're trying to grab him around the legs, he's not going to let you. He's got he's got a strong lower base. Um, he's not going to really juke anybody. His tackles are. His his way of avoiding tackles is by just running through, running through guys going at his legs, and he's he's got he's got a mean stiff arm. I think that's his best like move is he has a mean stiff arm in the open field. And I wrote that down, and then I read a scouting report and it said it, so it made me feel good about my thing. Decent speed, um, good agility with patience. That was one minute. Justin, who do you got next? Otis Anderson Black. Jr. 5'11", 174 pounds from UCF, University of Central Florida. Bobby Skinner, I think you told me, he's like, you do know that this guy is being estimated, like on big boards, he's ranked as like 400th. By my calculations, that is the 12th and a half round. Um, there, it, there is only seven rounds in the NFL draft. He will probably be undrafted. Good math. Um, special teams experience. He has the special team ex- experience as a punt returner. Um, that could help his chances of making a 53-man roster. Caught my eye when I was watching Houston and Peyton Turner. Ton of big plays, nice cuts, um, and vision, all while being a versatile guy and very much in a rotation of running backs. He lined up as both a receiver and a running back. 91 receptions over four years. Over 2,000 rushing yards in his career. Over 1,000 receiving yards. Uh, that's a very, very fun gadget player. Um, no relation to Otis Anderson. Super Bowl Even though he's Otis Anderson Jr., which is crazy. No relation. Um, Otis Anderson did clarify that on Twitter, so I put that in my minus category, that he's not related to Super Bowl 25 MVP. Um, uh, Bobby, he's kind of like a love-it player because I I liked him because I was watching somebody else, and then I watched him a little bit more, and I continue to like him. And he has kind of insane stats for being a guy that kind of just did anything and played everywhere. He's also, versatile. He legit yeah. played wide receiver reps. Like he, like when I first started watching his film, I was like, "Is this the right guy?" He's playing wide receiver, 
Um, they, they played him at wide receiver. All right. That's an episode. We appreciate you. We'll be back on Friday with the tight ends in the third round of our redraft. Appreciate you guys. See you then. Until then, let's go big blue.